Today on TechNATO, we'll be talking with Sholi Rosen from Cyber Armor about a zero trust environment in DevOps. We're also going to have a little bit of fun this week as it's a holiday week and look at a bunch of crazy articles from the past year. That's all coming up on TechNATO, starting right now. Hello and welcome to TechNATO. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, joined as always by Don Bazette. Don, how are you doing? Hey, I am doing great. Excited to be here. It's going to be a fun episode. It is. And Justin Dennison, how are you? I am doing fantastic. How were your Thanksgivings, gentlemen? Not sure. <laughs> yeah, this, this is coming out on Cyber Monday, but we actually are filming it the week before because... Because one of us might get injured during the great uh, Cyber Monday. Well, no, we'd get injured during a Black, Black Friday, Friday sale. Yeah, yeah. Get injured It's hard to get injured Friday. when you don't leave the house. Carpal tunnel. people. Yeah. <laughs> on Best Buy's website, got punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. Hit yeah. me with a refrigerator. <laughs> Alexa, please hit me in the face. Uh, got it? Thank you. All I know is I'll take a punch in the face... For a discount on a 40-inch television. Oh, heck yeah. 40-inch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're low yourself nowadays, oh, Don. Sorry. It's at least 65 I'm inches. not up on my television tech. Yeah. And it's like two pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love those things. <laughs> uh, all right. We uh, we uh, do have a guest today. Uh, we're joined by Charlie Rosen, who is a uh, co-founder and CEO at Cyber Armor. Uh, so we'll be doing that in a little bit. But today for the news, since we don't know what's going on in the future... We thought we would take a look back at our favorite uh, WTF stories. Uh, There's a lot there. of articles that don't make the high-quality standards of Technado and get cut from the show. So today we're going to loosen that belt a little bit and go back and catch some of those. And you know what's cool? Uh, this time around, we're going to we're going to be trying this this new soundboard here for some some fun little sounds. So our first uh, article deals with uh, crime and punishment. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> it's just like a little, <laughs> a little, delay. little delay. I, was, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was going to work. And we're just making sure this all works. Uh, here we go. Yeah. So this one is at the HuffPost.com. Police catch parked motorist playing Pokemon Go on eight different phones. The driver in Washington State was pulled uh, off on a road shoulder. Uh, spot supposed to be used only for emergencies. He did have his flashers on. But uh, when they looked in his car, he had this contraption with like eight phones put together. Uh, after the officer detained the suspect, he said, got to catch them all. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't, oh. That's, uh, shoot. I'm just getting used to rim this rim shot. shot. All right. They, they, uh, can you, uh, can they you say did, the joke uh, again? No. <laughs> <laughs> they did post a picture of the contraption the guy was using. I've got it pulled up here on my laptop. I uh, basically took a piece of styrofoam and cut it out to fit near his uh, gear shift, I guess. Uh, and he has eight cell phones rigged up and playing Pokemon. Now, I, I, I haven't played this game, so I don't actually know. Do you have to interact with the phone or does it play itself? I, no, you've got to like catch the Pokemon. You've got to like throw a Pokeball. I've never played it myself either, but I've seen. So you're like doing something on the phone. So I guess we should have brought somebody in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, no, I have not played uh, it. But I, I, I just see Peter go. I haven't played it at all. But you got to throw the no, ball. I'm a level twenty-seven. I'm familiar. <laughs> right. with. There's a lot of things that I haven't done that I'm aware of. That's not how that works. Okay. okay. <laughs> that defense doesn't work in court. Uh, yeah. Just, uh, just saying. So I guess this didn't count as distracted driving because he he, he was pulled over, um, but the the police did ask him to put it in the back seat while yeah. he was driving, like which, an open container. 
It's distracting enough to have. I don't think, that works. I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> does that work? Like an open container in the back seat still counts, yeah. doesn't it? It does. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I have a Jeep, and so I don't have like a, a trunk. Yeah. And so I'm like, how far does that have to be out of reach? Is that? Yeah. How to lock it in the glove? So box. for I got a truck, right? And I, everything's within reach inside of my yeah. truck. Well, how do you transport? If it's already open, like you're not drinking it, but here. Yeah, on the way home, I'm not going to leave my half-open bottle of uh, Fireball for. Yeah, I think you're supposed to transport it in your stomach. Uh, Which is, I don't know which is better. (laughs) I don't know which is better. Is it the Pokemon or not? But I think this demonstrates how people think if you turn on your hazard lights, you can do whatever you want to. Well, that was interesting because he mentioned uh, he he did actually get in trouble because pulling over on the side of the road is reserved for emergencies Mm -hmm. and catching uh, Pikachu or whatever doesn't count as an emergency. I disagree. I wonder if he could have argued like if it was a really rare one. That you could have made money on. I'm sure there's like a secondary market for this stuff. Mm, I don't know. Can you sell the pokey things you catch? I don't know. God, I hope not. I think you can. They don't have souls. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's the rule. All right, uh, our next article is a lot of fun, and it's from the, the real news. Uh, this one's at Reuters.com. Uh, Roma- the real news. Yeah, no, this is like where the news gets the news from, AP and, and Reuters. Uh, Romania's witches harness the power of the web. <laughs> That's Romania's witches. Uh, and so, Don, you were really excited about this one, so why don't you why don't, why don't you tell us about this? You know, there are a lot of traditional occupations around this planet uh, that, you know, some have become discredited. I think most witchcraft has. Uh, I think what? it's great that they've embraced technology, and now you can you can make a Skype call and get online with a authentic Romanian witch, and they'll do tarot readings and, and so on. Some of the things they describe in the article are pretty amazing. Uh, I think there were like eight or nine of them that got together for a coven to curse a government leader that was, I don't know, passing some laws they didn't like. Uh, it totally makes sense. Did it work? But, you know, they didn't follow up with that. We should mm-hmm. find out. But uh, they do mention that for roughly 56 American dollars, you can get a tarot reading. Uh, and it reminded me of something I stumbled on about two years ago. Uh, there was a supposed breach of, oh, what was the service? Team Viewer. Have you ever used Team Viewer? I have, yeah. And... They were denying it, and so I started doing research looking for other articles and things, and I, I scanned across Twitter to see if anybody had posted anything about TeamViewer. And I discovered—it's I, not like I discovered. I'm the first person ever this thing exists. Uh, this whole counterculture of uh, basically— uh, uh, I'm getting interested. The appropriate word here, like S&M people oh. that mm-hmm. use TeamViewer— Oh. Uh, to subjugate people. And so, you know, any profession can be successful on the internet. Wait, is that like digital submission? I don't, it was, I don't so know. I tracked down a Wired article that explained it, and it was saying how like they would lock somebody's computer and they wouldn't let them unlock it unless they debased themselves somehow. It was really crazy stuff. People are disturbed. How do we not have that article? Yeah. <laughs> also... I feel like somebody's going to get an email about that article or something. <laughs> be like, look what Don looked up. Yeah. It's well, weird. it's in my Twitter history now. I didn't like follow yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to do this, right? I, I really think we should. I think we should get a tarot reading on Technado. I don't. I don't know how we line this up exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll look into that. Um, I'm sure they're pretty backed up now. I'll I'll spring for the fifty six bucks. 
Yeah, no, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> it's like Wh- a good investment. Which has got to eat, you know? So fifty-six dollars and a drop of your blood. Uh, good for them. Well, we are uh, we're heading back over to uh, crime and punishment. So let's bring that up there. Uh, all right, this one is on ArsTechnica.com, and I don't know if I'm allowed to play this song, but we're gonna give it a try. Uh, cops put GPS tracker on man's car. Okay, charge him with theft for removing it. Cops tracked the man's car because they suspected he was dealing meth. So if you can't get him for for dealing, you get him for theft of your property so, that you put in his car. How, how, so I, I've talked to some cops before where they're like, "We'll follow sub, su, suspected drug dealers around, just looking for minor traffic infractions, mm-hmm. like yeah, smuggling a cigarette, throwing it out the window. We pull you over. Now we have probable cause yeah. because we're like, hey. Um, but how do you say I'm going to put this on your person?" And when you leave with it and go, hey, this isn't mine, and put it somewhere else, how is that stealing? Isn't the leaving part the stealing? So it's a it's a garbage argument, and the the judges acknowledge that. The judges said, look, if if a assassin or somebody you know puts a tracking device on my car, and I find it and I destroy it, they shouldn't be able to sue me. Like you know that that's not how this works. But the uh, the other argument, the argument the police were using, is that they didn't just do this without permission. They actually had a warrant to do it. So be, they feel that because the courts authorize them to put the tracker there, that this person destroying the tracker then constitutes theft. But uh, that guy has no idea who put the tracker there. It's not like it has right you, written You don't right think on it said, it. If, if found, please return to <laughs> the sheriff's office? And bring your meth with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I was in uh, customs once uh, in Newark, New Jersey. And they had wow. a sign. I know I hate Newark. Sorry for our Newark listeners, but <laughs> your airport is evil. Uh, so there's this sign. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah. and it and it said uh, it was like things they had found, and you were supposed to come and put a claim in, or they dispose of it. And one of them was like a pallet of two thousand imitation Gucci purses. And there was another yeah. one that was marijuana. It was like we found this marijuana, and they had to put up a claims notice in case somebody wanted to claim that lost item. So. Huh? Yeah, and just yeah, just step right into this room here for the <laughs> yeah. I'm, that's mine. Yeah. Oh, is it? Come with us, sir. Yeah. Come with us. It would be like that uh, NBC Dateline guy. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, Chris Hansen. Why do you have wine coolers? Uh, <laughs> oh man, you got me. <laughs> duct tape. I but here for my counterfeit purses. If you should wait until New Jersey, you know, inevitably makes it legal. And then all of a sudden, see if you Go can still file a claim. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Left pallet here. Just uh, just heard about it. Yeah. Heard about it January first. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's do it. All right. Uh, love this article um, because right from the beginning, I've got a problem. Uh, so this one is on <laughs> CNN, and I cannot even get the headline to read because of this stupid ad. Do you see this? All right, there we go. The flat Earth conspiracy is spreading around the globe. <laughs> Does it hide a darker core? So. Around the globe. First of all, I don't like them just calling it a conspiracy right in the headline because that's for me to decide. Yeah. Uh, CNN, you can inform, I'll decide. Um, but uh, what is its darker if, core here? If the Earth were flat, would it have a core, or would that just be the bottom line? So there's a there's a, the it's my understanding. There's like a subset that argue that it if it is round, then it's hollow. Well, that's where the lizard people live. Yeah. Yeah. 
we all saw Land Before Time or yeah. what, what was it with Will Ferrell? It was awesome. The remake of the 70s. Show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Land of the like, Lost. Yeah, Land okay. of the Lost. Land Before Time. It's like, that's a dinosaur. Did you just get about dinosaurs? dinosaurs. I don't know. The dinosaurs just moved under, <laughs> under the core. So there was a couple of alarming things from here. I, I'm, it's actually a fairly lengthy article uh, that goes through this. There are parts of it that I couldn't quite get all the way through. But something that got me is one in six Americans are not entirely certain <laughs> the world is round. One in six yes. Americans have never like flown in an airplane, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I, I've heard arguments about that, though, that they believe basically when you get in an airplane, you're seeing a simulation or you're drugged. Uh, they're putting gas in the air and you're falling asleep. And they, they, have, an, they have an answer for everything. Well, I mean, you know, airline service is pretty poor, so it wouldn't put it. Those windows are a little curved too. That could cause a little <laughs> bit of curvature. There, uh, there was an, another individual that was making the argument that convincing us that the world is round was the work of Satan. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, his whole job is to convince the world that God doesn't exist, and he's done an incredible job convincing people that we are a random speck in the infinite universe, and being a round globe is part of that lie. I yeah. I well. I don't. So real quick, have y'all ever met a flat earther in real life? I'm sure I have, but I had met Satan. But uh, well, <laughs> do you accept Satan in all his works? Uh, no, no. Uh, I've, I, I'm sure I have, but I've not met someone under that uh, pretense. Me either. I was just like, I, they say they're it's growing. I mean, statistically, I someone in your family is a flat earther. Well, they, wait. What was the number you said? They, one in they, six. One in six is, is not entirely sure. That doesn't mean they're a flat earther. Oh, okay, yeah. open to the possibility. But yeah, I'm, I'm questioning. But questioning. The, the final <laughs> argument right. that people can continue to propagate this was, it's not going to hurt anybody. It's fine if we think the world's flat. It's not going to hurt anybody. Do you think that's true? Um, well, until you fall off the edge. <laughs> then a lot of people get hurt. Or that I'm giant sorry. cruise ship to Antarctica to oh, go to the edge. Thing. Yeah. I would say that you know, believing the Earth is flat wouldn't necessarily hurt you, but letting other people know that you believe the Earth is flat would hurt you. Certainly, your employment opportunities. Yeah, I mm. would. Yeah, yeah. Would I mean? Would you hire a flat earther if they were a great, uh, you know, tester? You know, or... I mean, Copernicus. People thought he was nutso, and he turned out to be right. Although, these but but it's really weird wrong. because <laughs> way before then, so the Greeks thought the world was round, like. And then we devolved. They might have thought it was a geocentric universe, but they measured the distance by casting shadows. And they were like, the only way that can happen is if the world is round, mm. if the earth is round. And then we're like, nah, it's definitely flat. And then, boom, now we have pictures of the earth uh, from space. Us on a giant turtle? Yeah. Have you seen us those? A, yeah, I have. That's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, that's just like, oh, okay, well, I can see your argument, so it's flat. Okay. I'm sorry, turtle? <laughs> and what's he walking on? Yeah. Or are you just floating? Stephen King, uh, it, right? Like, wasn't it a giant space turtle or whatever that was helping them? I, I blame Stephen King for this. All right. That would be weird if 20 years from now we find out that this all started because of like a weird excerpt from a Stephen King if, novel. If you read it, right? You know, there was Pennywise the yeah. space spider, and then there was the giant magical turtle that was the two. So I have to go. admit, I've never actually read the book. Yeah, neither have I. Yeah, you can take a pass on it. I can, I can save you a lot of time. <laughs> okay. Were the movies better? <laughs> no, I mean, they're, they're, none of them are good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read books, so I'm much smarter than a flat earther. <laughs> <laughs> it's called sure. reading's dumb. Yeah, take that. 
flat earthers. Picture book? Hey, uh, maybe what you just uh, hypothesized there kind of supports our next article, which is sci-fi <laughs> makes you stupid. Study uh, refuted by scientists uh, behind original research. So after finding readers devoted less attention to science fiction than literary fiction, researchers say quality determines comprehension, not genre. Okay, so I'm confused by this. So the sci-fi makes you stupid was refuted now, so it, it no longer makes so you stupid. So the same researchers published a new finding, if you will, that sci-fi doesn't make you stupid. It's the quality of the work. So the original research that said, hey, sci-fi makes you dumb. They took a story and they just made all these changes to be sci-fi tropes. Like, oh, it's a robot and an alien and all this. But it was just a bad story. story. Yeah, it was a horrible story. And people, uh, their metric was people did not comprehend as much from the story after reading it. When the new, so they're like, oh, it makes you dumb if it's sci-fi. But then they remembered all of Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> well, that's a great story, though. It is it's a Stephen King story, isn't it? it that is, is a Stephen, Stephen King, King story. It's not sci-fi. But I tell you what, if Andy Dufresne was a robot, I still argue it would have been a great story. <laughs> it would have changed everything. Yeah, it would have changed everything. You'd be like, why is he? Oh, he just ate through the bars. Oh, that's metal. He didn't teeth. even have to go through the poop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the new study that's is robotic. they changed one word. And an accepted, like a story that was already accepted to be a good one, they changed a name to a robot. And just once, like not all throughout the story, they just acknowledged that that person was a robot in and, like the first sentence. Yeah. And everything else was the same. And people had the same reading comprehension. So they said, oh, well, it's not sci-fi. It's just whether the story's good or not. But those aren't equivalent. Yeah. Those aren't equivalent findings. I, I think, you know... Uh, Peter, for you, yes. with a marketing background, you probably see this. Like The human mind is an incredibly complex thing. There's a thousand different factors that influence whether somebody likes or dislikes something. So just throwing two stories in front of somebody is pretty hard to make a, a decision like sci-fi makes you stupid. Yeah, it's something we deal with a lot in like A-B testing. People will say, oh, I want to test this email versus that one. Okay, so in this one, I'm going to change the headline. Oh, I'm going to make this purple, and I'm going to uh, put the call to action at the bottom. It's like, whoa, 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 you got to change one thing, and then we can see, was it that effect? Or otherwise, you don't Unless you do an appropriate happened. experimental design mm-hmm. uh, where you can do like analysis of variance or something. Yeah. But that, sounds like that was not, uh, it is math, but there's programs that will do it for oh, you. good, okay. Um, you just input the data. Because again, I'm in marketing. It, yeah. It, it would be one of these things that if they were my, um, maybe like my PI or something for grad school, I'd go, we're doing what? Seems like I'm going to need to go somewhere else because this doesn't seem valid. By and large, maybe I just took offense because I read sci-fi and I don't find myself dumb. Do you read sci-fi, Peter? I don't. <laughs> Reading's dumb. Yeah, like, like I said, <laughs> books bad. What about you, Don? I, I, read, I read good and bad sci-fi. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I have too. I don't think Don's dumb. I'm almost sure he's not. Yeah. So, you but again, talk to my wife. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't even she know. She thinks how I'm I an got. idiot. <laughs> I have been told, though, it takes one to know one. So, mm-hmm. I know you are, but what am I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go ahead. You're rubber or not. Yeah, and that's, 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 there you go. <laughs> Appropriate comeback. Uh, Good job. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, uh, touche. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of robots, uh, on our last story here from gizmodo.co.uk, you can now buy pretend food for your 2,200-pound 
and and that's money, not weight. <laughs> yeah, British pounds. <laughs> Sony robot dog. So, jeez, oh, what? Um, <laughs> I feel. Like, I mean, I would expect this from Japan. So, what was crazy is this twenty nine hundred dollar robot dog, right? That's twenty nine hundred US. Yeah, it's okay. like twenty thousand dollars ish, right? Let's just say three grand, three thousand dollars for this robot dog. It does nothing. The guy in the article, <laughs> the guy in the article says it just runs around and yaps, and he tried to like get it to shake its hand, and it was like, nope. That's pretty well, they didn't unlock it. It wasn't programmable when they first released it. Well, these treats are ways to teach it new tricks. They're in-app purchases. They're in-app purchases. Oh man! How and, much are the the treats? Uh, you know, it, you have to buy like you get coins for using the app, yeah. and it's like a weird gamification thing. Uh, from what I could tell. So what was funny is where do we stand on profanity on here? Uh, I think in this case. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I'm just going to read a quote. And yeah, please. The, you might have to bleep oh, me. So these aren't your words. Um, okay. So he, he talks about giving him food and new bowl accessories, and it learns how to be a sentry dog and all this. Okay. But it says, the new software updates allows the users to finally potty train their IBOS or whatever using a new mapping feature so the robot doesn't pretend shit all over your house. This appears to be a free feature until Sony realizes it can sell you virtual poop bags. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, man. Yeah, you you're know, not even I seeing the food. Like the, There's a bowl. And it's food. It's but an you AR to, it's, thing. Yeah, it's, it's augmented reality. you got to hold up your phone and be like, oh, he's eating the, the fake food. All right, now see, I I thought that it would be like a plastic bone or something yeah. you'd drop in the bowl and maybe used NFC, but it's just it's AR, literally right? AR, reality. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty weak. I tell you what, if I had that kind of money, it would not be on a dog that is robotic <laughs> and yap at me. Well, I'll tell you what, I will not be buying this food because fool me once, Sony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I don't feed them. They can't poop. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I also found a way to have my dog, my fake dog, not poop around the house. Do not feed him fake food. I mean, well, what do you even care if it fake poops, right? I mean... Oh, he's dragging his fake ass across the ground. <laughs> oh. He's got fake worms. i got to give him dewormer. Now yeah, i got a digital vet bill. Fake gland issues. Fake no, I'm sure the, again. those bills would be real if you yeah. took him to... I don't know, what's the Sony equivalent of Apple Care? <laughs> They're yeah, like, like, we got to oh, take yeah, your temperature. Bad. It's a robot. Just plug it in and figure <laughs> out what's wrong with it. Uh, yeah, so that one that one struck me as very odd. I, <laughs> do y'all have three grand for a robotic dog? No. No, not for that. No. No. <laughs> not for one that doesn't do anything <laughs> without more money. Do you have three grand for proper medical care? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd, be cool. that'd be awesome. That'd be cool. You know, I gotta, I gotta feed the kid and stuff. All right. Well, uh, those were some fun, fun stories, and I think we have a fun interview coming up next. But this is a, this is a real company, uh, and it's, uh, he's across the globe. What do you say on the flat Earth? Because you're not supposed to say around the globe. You don't need to say globe. A, well, do we consider ourselves in the center then? Because he'd be off on the edge. Well, this is America. Obviously, it's the center. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is that, you think flat earthers think that? Do you think flat earthers have a weird right. disposition on like who's Where's at the center? The, center? I'm the sure flat earthers is. have to pick a center, right? There's got to be one. It's, it's probably somewhere in the Pacific. They probably think it's the Mercator map projection. And they're like, it's right here in the middle of the ocean. Okay, well. GMT, like the, yeah. the, that is so if, the middle. Okay, so if we're in a clock face, then. Well, so they're on the opposite edge from us. Yeah, they're they're over by the other ice wall um, in, in Israel. Uh, so. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that's how it works. Um, <laughs> luckily, are, are there still satellites? Yeah. In the flat Earth? Yeah. They just oh. stay on this side. Oh, you mean in the flat Earth? No. Okay. So we're they're just, all simulations. All right. So we're going to connect to him via a wire. Uh, but uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Shali Rosen, who is the CEO and co founder of Cyber Armor. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with that. Are you a career changer or a budding tech pro who's looking to start their career in IT? I'm Wes Bryan, and along with my fellow IT Pro TV edutainer, Cherokee Boos, we've just shot a new show just for you. Each week, we'll dive into topics to help you launch your career in tech. Watch how to get started in IT on YouTube now. Just head to youtube.com forward slash IT Pro TV to watch and look for new episodes every Saturday at 9 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. All right, welcome back to TechNado, and we're joined by our guests now. We have Sholly Rosen, who is the CEO and co-founder of CyberArmor. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good morning. Uh, we're good. Oh, thank you for uh, saying good morning. I know it's afternoon for you. You're uh, you're over on the other side of the world for us, but thank you for taking the time to uh, to talk with us today. So, uh, if you could take a moment and, and just tell people a little bit about uh, what CyberArmor is to get started. Oh uh, yes, of course. Well, cyber armor. Basically, what we want to do is we want to change the way uh, people protect uh, environments today. And the way we want to do it is by implementing inherent zero trust to any environment. And we can talk more about the zero trust element. But the general idea is that every element is your in your environment is going to be continuously verified, and only verified and authenticated services will be able to speak with each other and access data. So, yeah, if we could dig into zero trust a little bit more, that'd be helpful. I mean, I only know it as um, the way that every woman has treated me in a relationship um, has been <laughs> zero trust. But uh, when we're talking about it from a, I'm a, I'm a technical perspective, uh, you kind of explained it. So you're basically only, or you're, you're saying nothing is trusted, even things we've used in the past, we're just uh, verifying everything as it comes through? Yes, uh, well, it started with the, the perimeter getting broken, right? Um, as we change more and more applications to microservices, and what used to be one application is now multiple application. It can be in different clouds and in different places in your organization. Uh, suddenly, you are in a way or in a place where you cannot even trust communication or workloads that are in your environment because an attacker can get in in so many ways to your environment. Zero trust is not a technology, right? Zero trust is a model. And the general notion was don't trust, verify, or trust, but verify. It's all different variations of the same thing. Now, many people talk about zero trust uh, from a user standpoint. So don't trust any user. And that's actually, I think, when the term is actually was coined. Don't trust any user, even internal users. Um, always verify that the user is only doing what they're authorized to do. What we at CyberArmor want to do, we want to take it to the next level, which is don't trust the microservices that are running in your environment. Always, in runtime, make sure that those services are authenticated and have not been hijacked and are indeed the same workload and the same code that you wanted to run in your environment. Now, I know we saw kind of like the the early stages of zero trust with services that were, well, I mean, the whole software as a service model, right? Like uh, Gmail. I, I might have a Gmail account, but I don't have access to any mm -hmm. underlying servers. Google doesn't trust me. They don't really know. Well, 
they probably know me better than my parents, but you know, they, <laughs> they don't know me as an employee. So when I log into that mailbox, I have very little trust. What you guys are doing is extending that to apply to everything, right? So this would be even the developers, the people that have access to the infrastructure would still be limited in some way? Yes, and we actually eliminate or we don't really take care of the user point of view. What we are doing is we are actually in the data center. Uh, we work very well on Kubernetes clusters and cloud native environment, but also across any environment. And the idea is that we verify the microservices, the actual software that is running in your environment rather than the user. So let me give you an example. You just said that if you, that you as a user you can't access another uh, user account in Gmail, right? But the Gmail microservice within Google can access any data of any users. So if I'm as an attacker, if I'm attacking the Gmail server, or, am I, or, am, or if I am able to mimic or in, in, impersonate the Gmail server, I can get access to that data. What we will do, we will actually authenticate in runtime the Gmail server itself and make sure that it's not been hacked and that it is still, uh, the integrity of that service is still well preserved when it is accessing data. Because there's no real use of verifying the user on a software that is being hacked. You know, I'm expecting Gmail not to be hacked. I hope uh, Google have enough uh, defenses around it. But imagine you can always verify it on every microservice in your organization. So I'm I'm kind of thinking of this like a like a toll plaza on on the road where you have some people that have a pass maybe in their window and they're able to just go right through uh, because they're they're verified from the pass. Then you have the other people that have to go individually and and pay. Now, if we're if we're now saying that no one is is uh, is trusted inherently, does it does this slow things down? Because I can think of the traffic jam that that would cause in a in a toll kind of environment. Does that slow things down that you don't have to just say, oh, Gmail, I trust you, go on through. I have to, to go ahead and verify that each time? Yeah, so that's actually an amazing question. And that's one of the big benefits of uh, using platforms such as ours, because, you know, that's part of the benefit of cloud native technologies and, and containers and the new technologies that are out there. And what we have been able to do is we've been able, you know, that's part of the challenge that we've been facing is how do you do that without impacting performance, okay? And if you look at performance uh, in software elements, there are two elements to it. There is the notion of CPU utilization, and there is the notion of latency. If you impact latency, that's the traffic jam that you are talking about. But if you are impacting uh, utilization, basically you say you need more boosters, right? And what we do, we do need, or we do create the need for more boosters, but this is easy to create in the cloud native environment. It's easy to scale out. So what we usually do is we add about 3% to the CPU utilization. So if you are running in a 70% CPU utilization in your data center, you will go up to 73. But latency-wise, our impact is really negligible. Um, it's almost unnoticeable. So it, I mean, it certainly sounds impressive. And I... When I was first told about this, I was trying to formulate in my head how it works, right? So how does this kind of fit together? And uh, what you're describing, you know, getting involved in between an, even an individual daemon or a containerized application of the resources accessing, to me, that that's a, 
uh, a pretty pretty involved process. And so I was thinking, all right, well, is it proxying communications or are you, uh, you know, modifying the code to do extra authentication? But one of the one of the things you guys state right on your website is that you do this with no code changes, no integrations. So how does that work? Like, how does that snap in? Like, if I already have a solution in place, maybe a uh, a WordPress website that has a MySQL database on the back end, right? How, how do you get in between those two resources to protect them? Um, that's that's a very good uh, that's a very good notion. So the way we work is, you know, many companies they put proxies, they they put um, in the container environment. There is the notion of a sidecar container which needs to be added to every container. Once you do all of these, you need integration because you need to change IP tables, you need to change uh, communication directions to go through your proxy and not directly, let's say from the WordPress server to the SQL that you discussed. Um, what we do, we are actually, the way we manifest ourselves is a code of library that is actually being loaded by the operating system directly into the process that we are protecting. So the WordPress server, the WordPress process that you just mentioned, as part of its ongoing maintenance, it will now upload another library, another dynamic code library. Our dynamic code library will instrument the network IO and the file IO for that process. And now it will start to protect that process without changing the code. You didn't need, it's not an SDK-based solution, it's a library-based solution. And not only will we look at the code and make sure that it's uh, always verified and authenticated, we will also make sure to encrypt the communication in and out between the two uh, processes. And also you, you mentioned SQL, that's a very good uh, uh, note. SQL is a database. We can actually even encrypt that database, the files of the database, the data addressed, and do that also without actually changing the SQL itself. So that actually sounds uh, similar to the way, I mean, a little more advanced, but similar to the way that like SE Linux or AppArmor works. Would would this be a, a replacement for those technologies or does it work alongside them? It works alongside them. We basically use um, uh, the environment variable LTP load in order to make sure that processes in the environment um, upload our library together with them. And that's how we start to protect it. And if you have Kubernetes or, or, or any other container orchestration tool, we are pre-integrated with them in order for them to set it up for you. So even that simple notion of stating that uh, environment variable is something that you don't need to take care of. So this, this sounds pretty amazing, uh, mainly because it sounds like I wouldn't have to do a whole lot of work, but at the same time, I might have to do a whole bunch of work. So how, how does this actually, so, if I if I approach you and say this this is good I need this this sounds like something that that would make me feel warm and fuzzy inside what does that entail mm -hmm. uh, from your point of view and from my point of view? Yes, so basically there are two elements of our solutions. One is that library code that we just discussed. Somehow that code of library needs to be added to the processes that you want to protect, and this can be as easy as doing nothing, or as easy, and it's still easy, of changing a configuration script on your CI-CD pipeline and adding the environment variable that we just mentioned. So it really, really depends on your environment. If you have Kubernetes environment, if you use containers, then what you do is you just take a YAML configuration file from us, you put it into the Kubernetes, and 
that's it. That's the integration. Now every process that Kubernetes will uh, launch or will deploy any container, any pod, will have our small library attached to every process in that container. And that's it, you are deployed. The second thing you need is connectivity to our backend, which can either be deployed as a SaaS model or in your own environment. And that's where all the policies and all of the protection and all of the alerts are going. So are there limitations as far as, let's say I'm a developer and I do COBOL things, right? And I'm deciding to do COBOL microservices. I don't know why I would mm -hmm. do that, but I'm trying to think of as possible esoteric edge cases as possible. Would this solution still work in that case? Or would there be um, like, hey, let's develop that dynamic code library that goes in part of my, my CICD process together mm -hmm. because we don't have an existing COBOL solution? Yeah, so you're right. Um, currently, um, we cover all of the major, um, you know, uh, development languages. So, uh, JIT languages, uh, dynamic code languages, Java, Python, uh, JavaScript, of course, C++, Go, uh, all of those applications. COBOL is something that no one really asked for at this moment. We're also supporting of all of the different operating system, except for Mac. Okay, so if your data center uses Mac, um, we are less relevant for you guys. Uh, we also don't do mainframe. <laughs> um, but we haven't encountered any technology to date that we didn't support. And what about uh, like with cloud platforms? Does that matter at all? I guess if you if you support, say, a, a particular Linux distro that, that could easily run on Azure, Google Cloud, uh, do, are you pretty much just cloud vendor agnostic? Yes, we are completely agnostic. And more than that, we can help you become more agnostic because the way we protect a solution or a workload is we become part of that workload. If you now move that workload from AWS to GCP, for example, with any other technology, what you will need to do is you will need to reconfigure all kinds of security protocols and firewalls, and you need to reconfigure access lists and reconfigure um, policies. Because we base our policies on identity that we've created for that workload, that policy moves with the workload between AWS, GCP, between operating systems, and it's completely transparent if you don't need to change anything. All right, so if I'm interested in finding out more about Cyber Armor, what's the best way to reach out to you guys? Well, um, there is our website. You can use the Contact Us uh, button in the website. Uh, people can happily email me. I'm uh, srosen at cyberarmor.io. Um, our website is uh, cyberarmor.io. Don't confuse it with anything else. Uh, I always the new.com. So go there. Yeah. And and before the uh, before the podcast, we were talking about some upcoming shows and stuff. It sounded like you guys were going to RSA next year. Yeah, we'll be in RSA. We'll be in KubeCon. KubeCon is a big thing for us. Uh, you know, the development and the DevSecOps and DevOps community. Um, it, that's basically our user base, and that's the people that uh, we like to hear feedback from and speak with. Um, so we'll definitely be in all of those. Fantastic. Well, I'm not sure if we're going to that yet, but uh, if we do, we'll definitely uh, swing by uh, your area there. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time today to uh, to shed some light on this for us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right, and thank all of you for watching, but stay tuned because we have more Technado coming up right after this. Will you be in or near Gainesville, Florida anytime soon? 
then you should come see IT Pro TV. Make plans to visit the studios. Get a tour. Meet your favorite entertainer. See what goes on behind the scenes every day to bring the best of classroom learning to IT professionals around the world. Simply chat with the member services team on the IT Pro TV website and let us know when you'll be visiting. We'll see you soon. All right, thank you so much, Charlie, for joining us there. And uh, yeah, that was a lot. Uh, it was different than I expected it to be, and it sounded like not what you yeah, expected you, as well. Zero trust. I I just immediately thought of the stuff that eliminates VPNs, but this was like zero trust inside of your operating system. It's pretty hardcore. Yeah, I didn't know you could do that. Me either. Stuff. No, you don't. Okay. No, no. Well, no. that's because you couldn't. But his company makes it possible. They figured it out. They cracked the code. Um, so, <laughs> what? All right. Hey, I uh, want to let you know about a couple things coming up uh, here at IT Pro TV. First of all, uh, if you head over to itpro.tv slash webinars, you can find out about upcoming and uh, past archived webinars. And our upcoming one right now is High Velocity IT, leading your team in a VUCA environment. That's Thursday, December 12th, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time with Joe Peacock, and Cherokee Boost is hosting that one. Uh, so that one should be a lot of fun, and we've got uh, a, a lot of great ones that have uh, been in our archive. Um, the recent one we did on uh, Desktop as a Service, or DAS, and uh, Threats in Disguise, Digital Transformation, all that cool stuff. So um, be sure to uh, to check those out over at itpro.tv slash webinars. And while you're on uh, the World Wide Web, uh, continue over to go.itpro.tv slash technado. Uh, there you can find out all about our 30% off coupon code uh, for our membership to itpro.tv. You can also find out about uh, setting up a demo for your team if you are part of a, uh, a group and want to find out all the cool features available to you there. That's at go.itpro.tv slash technado. All right, so guys, I know we're filming this um, before. Absolutely. Yeah, so to us, Black Friday has not happened or Cyber Monday, but uh, Cyber Monday is happening when this is, is released. So what do you anticipate will be your, your uh, highlight of Black Friday? Furby. Furby. Staying at home. Staying at home? That's what yeah. I thought, too. I, I like... Uh, like the Home Depot. I find that there's not the crazy lines. They have some good deals sometimes. Yeah. I, home improvement stores, I can get that. So I'll go a little bit later. You know, you know, last year, we got uh, some coffee mugs and some dog beds at Home Depot. It was part of their Black Friday, whatever thing. And it, It's, it's not like the it. fight kind of thing. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm not going at 6 a.m. either or 5 a.m. whatever it opens. I'm you know rolling in at, at 11 o'clock, and there's still stuff. Mm. So maybe that's the time to go to Walmart, too. You don't want the door, door buster anyway. That's... So I, I have found here it's not as bad as like small rural areas where there's not as many places to go and more more guns. Oh, it gets well. There's guns, <laughs> yes. There's guns which are on Black Friday. So yeah, like, <laughs> you're like at the Walmart. So the people coming out of the store are armed more heavily yeah, than the people like, who just man, went in. Like, no waiting period. Yeah, great. That's fantastic. All right. Well, thank you uh, all of you for joining us, and hope you uh, had a great holiday and uh, continue to have a great holiday season. But uh, we will see you back uh, with a more normal episode uh, next week, right here on Technado. <laughs> <laughs>